Welcome back to another podcast episode. And I have a special guest here today, Teresa Noy. Teresa is an autism parent herself. So her son is 21. So I'm really excited to hear about her recall of what the journey was like back then, decades ago, honestly, and with her son growing up. Additionally, she is an author of a book. It's called Hello Autism, How to Love, Like, and Learn from Your Special Needs Child. So excited to hear all about that, as well as how she helps to promote self-care and how important that is, particularly for Black women. And I just think this is going to be such an important conversation today. I'd also love to talk about some of the racial disparities and what that was like, you know, navigating this journey with her son and all of that. Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, a licensed child psychologist and parental coach specializing in neurodivergent affirming care. I have supported hundreds of autistic children and their families and have been in the autism field for over a decade. And I know firsthand the impact autism can have. I was 12 years old when my little brother was diagnosed and my family had to learn how to navigate the autism journey. It wasn't always easy. Two decades later, I now create resources and services I wish my family had, including this podcast, and I developed the whole family approach. On this podcast, of course, we will talk about autism, but we will also talk about your personal growth and well-being as a parent, supporting your non-autistic children, and sharing personal stories of other families so you know you're not alone. Quick disclaimer before we jump into today's episode. Anything shared on this podcast should not be considered clinical advice, and you should consult with your team of medical, mental health, and developmental providers if you need support. So, Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And excited to dive into this conversation. So kick us off by giving us a a background on you and your family. Yes, yes. So I love... First of all, let me again say thank you for having me. And I love what you're doing, particularly because when we started our journey, there weren't a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. I'm always so blown away by everything that's out there now. When my son was diagnosed, he was three years old. Actually, he was about to turn four. But the diagnosis was called PDD-NOS. Yep. Heard of that? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if I told you this. So Teresa and I actually connected on LinkedIn, which is so special because I just love the world of social media. But Teresa, I have it. He's, I got to think how old my brother is. He's 23 and he oh. was diagnosed with autism. So that's what oh. inspired me to get into this work. He was also diagnosed with PDD-NOS. What so. is PDD-NOS? What is that? It's it, like it, yeah. a basic developmental disorder non other specified. Well, what no. is that? No, I know. It's saying in the not other specified like category exists for all diagnoses. It's basically saying, okay, support is needed, but they're not meeting full criteria, but yeah. it was really ambiguous. When I think a lot of kids were getting that too, because my perception is a lot of the stigma because to be diagnosed with autistic disorder, what I was finding, and this is one of the reasons that they've changed it now to all autism spectrum disorder is there's a lot of stigma that was coming with saying, oh, your child has autistic disorder. And so a lot of providers were just calling it PDD NOS. But anyway, I got us off topic about your family, but. No, it's okay. But yeah, so that's what it was. And so we didn't know what that was. 
I didn't know anything about autism. I didn't have a grid for it. I was, it was totally not a part of my world. Mm -hmm. Honestly, like I did not, what's the word? I'll just be honest. I didn't even care about special needs people or their world or anything. It just wasn't a part of my world. It wasn't on my radar at all. Autism, I always say that autism was the best gift that I never would have asked for because it opened me up in so many ways. Our whole family, our whole world just totally changed for the good, for the better as a result of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So you have your son who's 21, who's diagnosed at three. Who else makes up your family? Yeah. I have my daughter. She's 19. Her name is Mia. She's an artist. And my husband, Henry, I won't tell you how old he is, but we've been (laughs) married (laughs) for 28 years. Oh, wonderful. And actually we haven't said, what's your son's name? My son is Regal. Regal. Okay. What a cool name. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I know one question parents often have working with a lot of parents, the number one thing and the number one worry I hear is not knowing the future, what's to come, what this journey will look like. And we're going to dive more into your son's story and really your family's story, because it doesn't just impact your son, it impacts the whole family. But tell us a little bit about him now when Yeah. Help us get to know him and what are some of his interests and what are areas he's really thriving in? And then are there still areas he has those support needs and needs more support than what we'd expect for his neurotypical peers? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it has been a journey. We can start with the few with where he is now, because so often we're thinking all of these catastrophic imaginations about what will become of our children. I'm happy to say that my son is thriving. So he's 21. He's a senior in college. His major is strategic communications. He couldn't talk, right? He couldn't talk. He didn't start start talking probably until he got about five years old. Um, And now he's majoring in strategic communications and he has a passion for the environment. So his minor is environmental science. Wow. That is so incredible. And yeah, really has come full circle. It has come full circle. He needs support. As a matter of fact, the college, this is his second college, the first college he went to. Now I live in the Philadelphia area. He went to the University of Tulsa. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So far away. Far away for two and a half years. And he did really well but we noticed that he needed more support. He needed some more support. So he came home and he's going to Eastern University, which is a college that's right in our community. He he only applied to colleges that have autistic support programs. Yes. So there there are quite a few and then the number is growing. But the first school he was at, amazing program, very well connected. But like I said, he needed more support. Um, So when he came home, Eastern University also has an autism support program. So he's getting quality support and care, um, but he's living at home. He's commuting now so that we can still continue to guide him in some of the other things. But every program varies, but 
He has a, a coach, an academic coach. He has the director of the program that he meets with on a regular basis. Then they have peer support. Then they have a graduate person who supports and they have social circles. So I couldn't ask for more. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. And to know that those type of programs are out there. Yeah. Yeah. And the community is also supportive, right? It's not there in a silo. It's a very diverse, inclusive community. The professors work with the program. So it, it, we're really grateful to have positioned ourselves to be in that space. Yeah, that is so amazing. So to your knowledge, like what is what has Regal's experiences been with the autism journey, especially now being older and all of that? And is it something that he currently identifies with and shares about? Or where is he in the journey yeah, right now? Absolutely. We should have him come. Speak. I know. Yeah, definitely. He loves to share. He's been on a couple of podcasts and he does panels and everything. Oh, I would love that. We should so do that. Yeah, yeah definitely. I'll ask him. I'm sure okay. he'll be but yeah, like when he was uh, growing up, he didn't have no, he had no awareness that he was autistic. And part of that was us too, because I just was not a person that wanted him to be defined by a label. So we always just spoke to who he was, embracing who he was, accepting who he was, and just working to allow him to fulfill his best version of himself, whatever that looked like. Mm -hmm. So we never really talked about autism or your autistic. As he got older, especially as we were preparing for him to go away to college and everything, then we started to, to started to talk about your autistic and what does that look like and helping him to develop self-advocacy because he was going to have to be able to do that. So now he's he's very comfortable in his skin. He recognizes that he's neurodivergent and the unique qualities that he has to offer to the world because of that. And he just stands unapologetically in who he is. One of the wonderful things is he when he was at the other school, people were kind to him, but he didn't have real relationships all of his life. And we know oftentimes with our kids, you have assigned friendships, best buddies, and I'm thankful for that. But when he came here, he had real genuine relationships. As a matter of fact, his first friend was someone who initiated the conversation and they text each other, they talk on the phone, they go to events and things together. That's been really special to to see and watch and experience. I'm sure. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. So I'm curious now because we, I think we can dive more into this about some of the, the shifts that have happened with autism and societal shifts, not only in terms of like diagnostic classifications, but also in terms of building acceptance. So if we have a parent listening to this podcast right now and knowing we live in this current day and age, would you recommend to them to be having conversations about autism or would you recommend the approach that you use when Regal was growing up? I think you have to, I honestly, 
can't say there's a right or wrong. I think you have to do what aligns with your values. Mm -hmm. For us, we did not want, and, and this is a part of who I am, like the autism journey can be very discouraging, very discouraging. And as we were taking Regal to evaluations, you are constantly getting your kids evaluated to renew your services. You're constantly in these IEP meetings where they're throwing all these acronyms at you. And, mm -hmm. and that can be very disheartening. So for me, in order for me to keep a vision for who my son was beyond a diagnosis and a label that forecasted just facts without taking into consideration who he was, I had to release those things. Mm -hmm. Even with all the evaluation and the reports, I never read them. I'd take them and I'd put them in a file because I believe that you don't know who my son is. You have this list of facts, but these facts do not determine who he is, what he's able to do. And even the reports are not written in a very positive light mm -hmm. because they have to list out all of the facts. And I did not want those facts to impact my vision for his future. So I did not do that. So that's the way I chose to do it. I think it's different now. So you have to see what aligns with you. But whatever you do, just make sure you keep a vision for your child that supersedes what's in black and white. Because there's so many factors that we don't consider that you will not be able to read in the report. That I love that. And I think that's so incredibly beautiful. And just to point this out, I think one of the things that you're describing as well is something that I, I talk a lot about and I think is so important too, is also making sure to take care of yourself and know yourself as a parent in this journey. And right. for you, you knew you had to tune some of that out in order to be the best parent and probably the best version of yourself as well, because sometimes we're inundated with all of this data and it, you're right. The data doesn't define who Regal is. And also what I love about this is how you parent. It didn't define that as well. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And that's a big part of the, the work that I do with women. And I write about this in the book too. There are lots of tools in order to change the narrative. You're constantly having to reframe your narrative when you're working with our special children, mm -hmm. because what doesn't always align with who they are, because the essence of who they are cannot be defined by a report. And it is the love that you pour into your child, the belief that you have, the faith that they can reach their full potential, whatever that looks like. And you have to have that same belief and love for yourself that because you have this child, then you have what you need in order to shepherd them and for them to be, become who they have been created to be. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So powerful. And one of the things to think about is we often, it's easy to think of that diagnostic evaluation in some ways as, okay, I have the answer and almost like the end of the chapter. But I think if anything, it's like the beginning of your journey. And I talk a lot about, yes, we do have to look at the difficulties in order to justify 
say a child meets diagnostic criteria for autism. And from then on out, it doesn't matter. It's really about getting to know your individual child, who they are as a person, how their brain works, how you can support them and help them grow and thrive. And that's no different than parenting, broadly speaking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've, I firmly believe that nothing is an accident. Nothing happens coincidentally or by happenstance. Like your child has a purpose for being here. And so you have to let go of the vision that you had initially for what that would look like and receive the child that you have now and just start to unwrap that that package, just start to unwrap it because there's so many gifts along the way. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you're so right. It really, it shapes the trajectory of who your family becomes. And I think that can be such a beautiful journey. I'm curious though, for you, Teresa, where were there hard moments or where you were just like, overcome with emotions, you had a lot of feelings about the diagnosis and how to navigate it? Absolutely. That's the first chapter of my book. Oh, yay. Grieving. Good. I had to grieve and mourn the loss of what I thought would be, because this Regal was our first child. I had to grieve what I thought my parenting journey was going to be what our family would look like. And I cried and I cried. I cried every day, every day. (laughs) I was angry. I was sad. I was confused. I was scared. All of the feelings. But here's the thing. You have to accept those feelings. If I didn't take the time to process my emotions and how I was feeling and allow myself I would never have been able to move forward to embrace the journey that we were about to be set on. Wow. Teresa, when we connected on LinkedIn, something I didn't know much about you. We It was just like a quick DM and you mm-hmm. said you wrote this book and I was like, let's do this. Let's get you on the podcast. But there was something in my gut was like, yes, you need to have her on. And listening to you right now, I know exactly why we have so much overlap. And I love how vulnerably you share what your family's journey was like. And there, there is a process of grief. And it's interesting because I am such a strong advocate of we need to listen to autistic individuals themselves. And there was a little bit of a dialogue. I don't hear it as much now, but for a bit where it was like, stop saying you're grieving it. And I I understood their perspective. You're not grieving your child, but you are grieving the loss of the expectations that you place. And that's the thing, when you bring a kid into the world, more often than not, you're not thinking, oh, autism is going to be part of our journey because you don't know at Mm -hmm. that point. Mm -hmm. And so I love the way that you just articulated that and explained it. And you also described all the emotions that come with that grief process and how, how important it is to just absolutely feel those. Real quick, just a brief interruption, because I want you to know you don't have to navigate this journey alone. If you're in a place where you have concerns about your child's development, you've been on the search for a therapist that provides evidence-informed neurodivergent affirming care, or you're needing more support as a parent, the whole family approach may be a good fit for you. 
Autism doesn't just impact your child's life, so you deserve care that works for your child and your whole family. Head to the link in the show notes to schedule a complimentary call where we can chat about your unique circumstances. We can help you decide if Dr. Tay concierge clinical care would be a good fit for your family. And if not, we will provide you resources for your next best steps. It's so important. Sometimes we're so afraid of feeling these emotions, but I firmly believe that our emotions are the language of God. So we were given all of the emotions. Again, everything has purpose. It's important to to give space for that. No other species has the the depth and range of emotions that we do Uh, as humans. Yeah, we're really pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. So what led you on the journey then of writing your book, Hello Autism? Well, Dr. Tay... Let me just say, when Regal was diagnosed, we went a, a very non-traditional route. Mm-hmm. Initially, we worked with the, the the Delaware County Unit, Early Intervention Unit and everything, and we had him in the preschool, et cetera. And I just, again, it's being able to follow your gut, right? Like you followed your gut. I just did not feel that he was he was thriving in that environment. As a matter of fact, I would, he would come home and every time he would come home, he would have different behaviors than what he had before because he was copying everyone else in the classroom. So I started looking for other opportunities and I was on the internet all the time, all night long, doing all the research. And I didn't find anything on the internet, but I got, I learned a lot. But it was actually an introduction to a friend of a friend who told me, I know someone who their son has autism and I don't know exactly what they're doing with them, but he has made amazing progress. And so she introduced me to her and Jen Westfall became my new best friend. And she told me about this program that is called the Sunrise Program. And it really is about love and acceptance and play. Wow. And so we, and it's a home program that you run, the parents run, and you recruit your team. So we had to, we ran the program in our home 40 to 50 hours a week, every day, um, even the holidays. And we had volunteers that worked with us. We had to recruit, we had to train the volunteers, supervise the volunteers. And it was all about building a bridge from his world into our world. So basically he couldn't come into our world, but we could come into his. And we came into his world through just playing, just whatever Regal wanted to do, we would do that with him. And so at that time, Regal would line up cars all the time. And I'm sure there's something that is called now in in all of the therapies that are out there. And so we would just get on the floor and line the cars with him. And we spent hours and hours lining up cars, hours and hours running in circles. He like he was a runner. So we would just run in circles. But it wasn't like, oh, let me run again. It was like, you're so amazing. I love what you're doing. I love it so much. I want to be with you. So I'm going to run with you. I'm going to line up cars with And whatever he wanted to do, we let him lead the way. And here's what began to happen. 
he started to notice, wow, you're not trying to make me do something. You're doing what I want to do. And he started not just lining the cars up, but he would start to look up at us and give us eye contact. Yeah. And so every time he would give us that we would join with him. And then every time he would give the eye contact, we would go crazy and celebrate it. And it was just this dance of joining and celebration and then introducing one more thing to keep him engaged a little bit longer. But if he didn't want to do it, we would just go back to doing what he did. Oh my gosh. It was a it's so beautiful. So such a beautiful dance. And so- this is actually like the what I teach parents now and help parents learn. Mm. So to think about you were doing this back then, like you were so ahead of your time. And I love how much it's, it fits so in line with neurodiversity. Yeah, And you guys were just ahead of the times. And luckily we've seen a lot of therapy models go in this way of more focused on how do we enter the child's world and starting there. Because at the end of the day, I say this a lot as humans, Mm -hmm. we all just want to feel seen and heard. And one of the ways that we do that is by entering other people's worlds. And it looks the same for your autistic child, just like it does for your partner, for example. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why it just made so much sense to me. I was like, this is brilliant, right? And it's really just acceptance, love and acceptance and play. <laughs> you just play. I just love on you. I accept you. I'm communicating that deep. It's just this energetic exchange. And he felt it. He felt loved and accepted. So he wasn't as afraid to come out of his world incrementally, little by little. He just would take those steps. And we trained everyone how to do this. And we had training as well. We would continue to get trained. But it was just this beautiful thing. And the wonderful thing about it is everyone who came, because you have to do this kind of work, you have to start to look at yourself as well. And it exposed your fears your judgments, because you don't judge anything. We didn't judge anything about him. We didn't judge his behaviors. They're just a part of who you are and we're celebrating them. So it really caused to turn the spotlight on spotlight on you. So everyone grew and we built this beautiful community. We had all cultures working with us from just so many different backgrounds, people from all over the world. We worked with a lot of college students, international students, We recruited people from yoga studios and artists and actors and spent a lot of time at Whole Foods because those are the type of people that are usually more open. We're very strategic about how we brought people into our program, but we had to step out of our comfort zone. We had to take those risks to allow these people, and they would come into our home 40 to 50 hours a week, but it was just this beautiful, wonderful community that we were able to build and they became our family. Even though there were difficult times, I never felt alone. Wow. I never felt alone. And I talked to so many families and that's a big thing. You feel so alone. You feel so alone. I had a built-in community. I was able to take my daughter out to do, my husband and I would take time to make sure that she was taken care of and we would do things with her. 
my husband and I were able to still go out on dates and everything because we had the community that we built around us. So what we were building was so wonderful and people were noticing the changes in Regal. And every time you meet someone that has an autistic child, they would say, oh my gosh, you need to meet Teresa. You need to meet Teresa. You need." So I had all of these parents coming to me and I said, let me just write a book so I can say here. <laughs> This is our journey so that they could have a resource. Mm -hmm. I have like chills as I'm like sitting here and listening to this and just how incredibly beautiful it is. And then, yeah, how you shared that, that gift with the world of it can be a really lonely journey, but also realizing you can do this another way. I think what's so profound about this is you followed your gut on all of it. You found something that really felt in alignment with your family. And I, my like mission in autism care is to support the whole family. I call it the whole family approach. And I think what is so evident in in the way, again, you're, you guys are just so ahead of your times, but what is so evident is how your family was at the center of this, right? It, yeah. It was about supporting Regal, but like you were saying, you still, you developed that community. So you didn't feel alone, which also helps him in turn. You and your husband were able to go on date nights and like, just be you for some time too, which is then helping you to show up even more present for him. Being with your daughter, sometimes being the sibling of an autistic child can be there's challenges that come with it and making sure that intentionality to create that quality time is still there. And so I hope parents yeah. listening to this, definitely, we will link the book in the show notes, but this sounds like a book that's, that every parent going on this journey needs to read and just realizing if that's not what you have right now, that it can be different. And I hope Teresa's story gives you hope in that. Yeah, it's been called, parents are calling it a blueprint for uh, hope, community, and encouragement. And we did do it all as a family because we changed, we did the whole diet change thing. And we said, we're not just going to have special food for Regal. We're all doing this. So we all went on the journey of changing our diet. And we, <laughs> and we did this probiotic rich diet called the body ecology diet and my doctor was like, you guys are doing like what 1% of the people on the planet do. I'm like, I know. We were up at night cracking coconuts and fermenting coconut water and things like that. Um, but we did it together. That was sometimes that was our date night. We we created, we had to raise funds because this was very expensive. And we developed a walk, Regal's Walk for awareness and to raise funds. So we had a huge walk every year. We raised like $30,000 every year. So again, it wasn't, it started, this is for Regal, but it was so much bigger. Yeah. 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 And spread into the community and into the community. Exactly. That's like a gold standard for building acceptance too. Yes. 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 So beautiful. So I'd love to talk a little bit and just hear some of your, not only thoughts, but your experiences as well on one of the things that we know is that there are racial disparities with diagnosis and access to services. It's improving, it's getting better, and we're still not there. And obviously being 
a person of color, there's so many challenges that come with that, with our world and with acceptance. But I'm curious in particular on the autism side, was that anything you ever felt like you were navigating or that you experienced in this journey with Regal? Yeah. So as a African-American and knowing that I have a black son, that's just something that we know we need to uh, be very deliberate with educating um them on how to move in the world. So then as an a black child with autism, this takes it up even an, uh, an, another notch. We live in a predominantly white community. So as far as resources, the diagnosis, things like that, I didn't have any challenges with. Okay. But as far as bringing awareness so that because Regal, first of all, he was a runner. He could escape. I remember one time we were looking for him for, it seemed like for hours, but it probably was like about 15 minutes. Oh. But that was so scary. That was, yeah. So he was a runner and he loved numbers and letters. So he would walk up to cars to look at the license plates. So I took him to the police station so that they could know my son and so that they can meet him and see who he was. That was something I was proactive with just so that they would know that this is a black boy, especially as he got older and taller. Yeah. Not a threat. He lives in the community. I met his mom. I had a nice talk with her. They're a nice family. And so that they know who he is. So I did things like that. I spent a lot of time just being in the community, out, getting to know people, letting people know who I was, letting people know my son. When we traveled, I had these little cards and I would say, my son has autism. We're doing the best that we can. I will wrote that out. And I would just, when we just came, I would just be proactive and I would give the cards out. And so when he started being regal and talking loud and working with being overstimulated, People knew who he was. So I did a lot of um, relationship building so that stereotypes and judgments and biases, I tried to, to mitigate those things. And I think it worked pretty well. Now, when he went away to college, he had some challenges. He did have some challenges. And he had an instance where he almost got kicked off campus because there were just so many reports. People were reporting him because they felt threatened by him. And he would just, because Regal, he talks, he processes. So as he would walk through the community, he's talking to himself, talking out loud, and they would get a call. There's a man walking and talking out loud. But thankfully, it was on, as they began, began to get familiar with who he was on the college campus, we didn't experience anything. Yes. So those are things that you think about that, that I'm constantly thinking of. I'm not going to say constantly, that I'm aware of and we do the best that we can. But I honestly, I don't focus on that. I truly believe that what you focus on expands. And so we know that Regal is just a beautiful soul and he continues to learn what he can do and what he can't do in public. 
And I just trust that goodness will follow us as we just continue to live our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for being open to having this conversation, because I do think it's a really important topic. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing, and I think this has been very clear throughout the episode, is your primary focus is on him as an individual. And that's what it all comes down to. And ultimately, how you can support him. I love some of these examples that you shared of building that community. I think that's another really clear theme in this episode is this concept of community. And it did take a lot of intentionality for you to build that community. Yeah, that's the key. Just being very proactive and deliberate about it. Strategic. Yeah, I recognize the obstacles But instead of looking at it through the lens of, oh, these things could happen to me, how can, you know, how can I be proactive? How can I bring awareness? How can I educate? How can I inform so that it's not as uncomfortable for the other person so that they have a a deeper understanding and that they see us? Even when I used to go, I never forget it was a principal when he started going. So we did the home program with him. I would have done it forever, but he wanted to go to school because he saw his daughter, his saw my daughter, his sister going to school. So he asked, "Can I go to school?" So he went to school in the fourth grade. Okay. Um, but when he went to middle school, uh, the principal there, who was also um, a black woman, which was unique in the community that we lived in, she pulled me aside and she said. Where are your pictures, mom? Where are your pictures? Do you have pictures of your son? Go into the meeting, pull out your phone. And as you talk about him, show them who he is so that he is a person. And I never forgot that. And so wherever I would go, I would make sure I would remind them of who he is. And I would talk about his strength and his light and how he is, and I would show pictures, and I was that mom, so that he becomes a person to them. And that's so important. That's so important because we have to be able to connect. Unless there's an emotional connection, oftentimes we disengage. But when there's an emotional connection, like it's the reason why we do everything. Like from when you don't know a person, or if you're not thinking of a person, you may not be as likely to move forward to take some type of action. But when you're thinking of a Black woman who has autism, you think of Teresa Noy, you think of Regal, and you think of her family, and you see my smile. And so now you're going to respond to someone else who has autism totally different because you have me in your head. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the beautiful thing for families and their children, the way that you love and care for your child and you connect with other people and bring the gift of who they are, it empowers other people now to go and interact with other children with you in mind. Yeah. Teresa, I just got to say, you, you have such a gift. I as I've sat here a couple times today, like I, I could feel like tears in my eyes, but it's been like tears of just, 
your energy, not everyone listening might be able to sense this, but your energy is just so incredibly powerful. And I love the way that your brain thinks and just how you advocated for your son. It, it truly is beautiful. And I do this day in and day out and I hear stories like this, but there is something really special about you. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that you've been here and we're not quite done. We're going to wrap it up here shortly, but thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I'd love to talk a little bit about your work and what you do, because I'm, I'm seeing this connection of this journey of love and self-acceptance and all of that. And then how you've transitioned that into how you support black women. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. And you know what? It is because, like I said, autism was the best gift that I never would ask for, Dr. Tay. Yeah. Because because the experience that we had with Regal really challenged us to deepen our connection of love, of loving. So my husband and I are both ministers. Okay. Um, so we, we have a knowledge of basic principles and how it's right just to love people well and, and to do those things. But it's one thing to know intellectually and another thing to experience and to embody it. And because of our journey with Regal, that was the catalyst for us to really deepen our connection to love, to pure love. And what does unconditional love look like? Mm -hmm. And after having this experience, prior to that, actually, I would have categorized myself as someone who over-accommodated everyone else's needs and under-accommodated my needs. Mm -hmm. I was the person who was always doing things to please, what do you call it? That disease to please. And, and just worried and concerned and always in my head. And after having this experience with my son, that was the catalyst for me to really deepen my connection to love and to start to love myself and recognize the gift that I am just because I exist. And tapping into those gifts in order to bring this to my son. And uh, and doing that for myself and going on that journey, again, began to attract other women. And I began to work with them. And here we are today now just guiding women on that journey to become the, the best version of themselves through the transformative power of love. Yeah. And what does that look like exactly? Right now, I work with women one-on-one and I have also in a, a group coaching program. And I'm really excited right now about the uh, membership, the Love Alive membership that I've created in order for to support the high achieving women on their unique journey to nurture their soul while they juggle the demands of success. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's so important, right? Because we're out here. If you need something done, what do they say? Ask a woman to do it. <laughs> <laughs> we will do it. And we have the ability to achieve. But along the way, we are leaving ourselves behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely 
Love that so much, your mission and where it came from and how you continue to spread it. Because it's interesting too, my guess is this community that you built around Regal as he ages, that community at least somewhat naturally has started to separate and go their own ways. But I think about the impact you had on them to go out in the world and continue to spread this love, but then the impact that you keep creating and helping women to create in themselves is really magical. Yeah, it, it really is magical. It really is. I just, I'm so blown away when I hear from people, past people who have worked with us, I'm constantly getting messages uh, from them just about how that time working with us has totally transformed their lives and how they view the world. I've had people who've worked with us, a couple of them who have their own kids that are on the spectrum. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. You just naturally attract that given your, your life experiences, your mission, all of that, that that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like, I, was okay with it because I worked with Regal and I saw your family and I I witnessed firsthand what is possible. So that is amazing to to see. And then now that I get to to work with women to understand who they really are, apart from achievements and apart from accomplishments and apart from trying to please people, to just own who you are. And to tap into that, that's just like the best gift in the world. I love it. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for sharing all of this. We will link your services and ways that people can connect with you in the show notes. So that way, moms listening to this right now can definitely reach out and connect. But before we wrap up this episode, Is there anything else you feel on your heart that you want to be able to share and spread to these parents of autistic children who are listening? I just want to tell all of the parents that autism is not a life sentence. It is not a life sentence. And your child is a gift. And you have everything that you need inside of you in order to unwrap that gift and present it to the world. So just really just enjoy the journey. Be honest with yourself as you are on the journey, but know that this is the gift that you never would have asked for. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. And really, I know we didn't dive in too much into this, but it sounds like Regal went from this journey of non-speaking to now in college and thriving. And like we said, he is in strategic communications, like what a journey that is. So I feel like that message of it not being a life sentence is relevant, no matter where your child is on the spectrum, you never know what the future holds. You never know. You don't know what the future holds, but just know that it's good. Mm. That it's good, that goodness follows you. See through eyes of good, right? See through eyes of good. Mm-hmm. Well, Teresa, thank you so much for being here, just sharing all your love today. I really felt it. And I feel confident that the listeners of this episode felt it too. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And please follow me. I'm on all of the social media platforms as Teresa Noy. 
Anna is a Nancy O-Y-E, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. But LinkedIn is my jam. I really love LinkedIn. Yeah. So grateful for LinkedIn or our past may not. Our past wouldn't have crossed. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Tay. And I'd love to stay connected with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love that as well. All right, y'all. That is a wrap for today's episode of Involved with Dr. Tay. I will see you soon. Before we wrap up this episode, for real this time, I want to share a couple ways you can get even more value and what your next steps could be. First, join the Evolve Facebook group. We do Q&As about the episodes and so much more. I linked that group, my personal social media pages, and any resources I mentioned in this episode in the show notes. So scroll down now and join me online. When you submit questions on any of my pages, your question could be featured on this podcast. How cool is that? I love being able to speak on topics that feel directly relevant to your life. Your questions truly make a difference in the content we create here. One last thing, do your fellow autism parents a favor. Share this episode on your social media and tag me. Autism currently affects one in 36 families in the United States and many more worldwide. So I'm sure there is a parent in your social media followers that could be served by this podcast. Thank you again for being here. And I'm so grateful we shared this time together. Bye y'all.